two. Okay, uh, this is Kelly McGee, and it is October the 25th, 2020. And um, I think that um, since Gaia went under, um, David Wilcott has done a data dump onto the uh, YouTube for everyone to see, which is really great because they were just holding all of this information back. Um, I have a secret space program by David Wilcock. I think it should be good. and I'm bringing you a very interesting announcement today. This video is talking about the very real possibility that in the year 2020 that secret space programs will be declassified. We have a convergence of information coming together that all is pointing in this direction. Unfortunately, one of the ways that this is happening is my former insider, Pete Peterson, did pass away. Uh, this happened in July of 2019, and it was a very sad thing for all of us. Uh, Pete Peterson was widely regarded as the most genius inventor in the history of the military-industrial complex. Uh, there are at least 50 different unique patents that he came up with on his own, many of which probably evolved into multi-billion dollar industries within the classified world. We have all kinds of amazing stuff that he's done. I was his friend from 2009 up until his death, talking to him an average of twice a week. And I also met many other insiders through Pete Peterson, who I am still in regular contact with. Uh, I originally taped a video back in July to commemorate him and to uh, basically give him what I felt to be a fitting tribute. And I also now am including in that video uh, the last interview that Pete and I had. If you haven't followed this story, Pete Peterson claimed to be working within groups where there was extraterrestrial technology that had been back-engineered into operable devices, including anti-gravity systems, free energy systems, portal travel. Uh, this sounds crazy to someone who isn't familiar with this. However, when you get into the world of Pete Peterson and what he taught us, this is not crazy. This is very real. Time travel. And over the years, uh, I have been to, for example, the Disclosure Project led by Dr. Stephen Greer. I was there on May 10th, which was a closed executive summary briefing for members of Congress and invited VIPs, of which I was one. 
uh, and that was because I had gotten onto the Art Bell show prior to that time and had been on there twice, actually, before this uh, Disclosure Project event happened in 2001. There were 39 insiders there talking about the idea that UFOs are real, and I happened to meet almost all of them, everybody that I really wanted to target. At some point, I was able to get them alone, talk to them, introduce myself, and so those 39 insiders are just one small part of what has happened. There's a lot of people who have spoken to me over the years, in some cases exclusively, and I have a unique ability to be able to remember what people tell me on many, many different subjects. And so when enough different people say the same things and they don't know each other and I've never publicized it online, you start to become a lot more compelled about the reality of what they're saying. So Pete Peterson was really the master. He was the best out of all the insiders I had. And beginning in 2009, he started to share all kinds of things with me about for example, an alliance that had formed within the military, the intelligence communities, both in America and around the world, working to defeat what we now call the deep state. It's also been called the New World Order, the Illuminati, this kind of thing. Pete was getting these briefings in a skiff room or sensitive compartmented information facility. Uh, it was very, very secretive, and I found out that the plan had been in place since the 1950s. It does now appear to be reaching its fulfillment. The things that we're seeing with the QAnon phenomenon very precisely dovetail with what Pete was telling me since 2009. And there's been a lot of infighting going on. There's a lot of underground bases. Pete said there was over, I believe, 270, 260 of them, something like this. Uh, these bases are very large. They can hold up to 65,000 people. And they have a bullet train system called the sub-shuttle that interconnects them. So... Within this world, if you can believe everything that guys like Pete have told us, and again, many other insiders confirmed very specific details, the U.S. government and other governments do have regular diplomatic relationships with a wide variety of extraterrestrial species. They are human or human-like, so many of them do look very similar to us, if not almost identical. That's another thing we've been misled about, the idea that they're all bug-eyed greys. That is not true. And they have technology that they've been sharing with us, and we apparently have been developing advanced technology of our own. So, before I get into the Pete Peterson tribute video, which will include audio from the last time that Pete and I spoke to each other that will have groundbreaking new intel that I guarantee you've never heard before, I want to talk about some very interesting things that have happened this year that are converging very nicely with what's going on with Pete Peterson. So let's talk for a moment about Salvatore Pius. And is it possible that this man is the greatest inventor in human history? <laughs> well, let's dive into this. This is the only picture of Salvatore Pius that I've ever been able to find. And it appears that, uh, you know, he's clearly got his hands on two fighter jets. They look like maybe F-16s or F-18s, something like that. Can't maybe see they're even F-14s. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. But when we zoom in up close, you don't even really get a whole lot of detail on his face. Mm -mm. As you can see there, why am I bringing this guy up? Because in one fell swoop, he patented this. What you're seeing here is called a HAWK. That stands for H-A-U-C Hybrid oh, Air Underwater Craft. That's a triangle. That's right. They're Aircraft. saying in these patents that were filed and publicized this year by the U.S. Navy, 
that they have a craft that generates anti-gravity. And they're saying that this craft flies equally well through the water and the air and space. A hybrid air underwater craft or hawk. And when you look at this illustration, you can clearly see that it appears to be a flying triangle. Now, he goes into a lot of detail in the patent about how this works, and it is essentially a two-hull design. There is an inner hull, and then there's man, an air too. cavity, and then there's an outer hull. Within that air cavity, they say there is argon gas, and that suggests very strongly that this craft is using technology from Kenneth Shoulders, something that Pete Peterson talked to me about at great length. Kenneth Shoulders described charge clusters or EVOs, exotic vacuum objects, very tiny uh, areas of force that have an unusually large amount of energy, much higher than is supposed to be possible within such a small space. These charge clusters can repel gravity, and they also have enormous amounts of energy, and they are formed by directing a high-intensity electrostatic charge down a needle to a tip of a point. And if you do that within an argon gas, then what you end up getting is a much higher likelihood for these charge clusters to form. So within this two-hull ship design, you have that hollow cavity where you can form your charge clusters and then you simply direct where they need to go. So this is an operational anti-gravity machine. And it obviously is very similar looking to what we've heard about with the infamous TR-3B flying black triangle or other code names for it that you might have heard like black manta this kind of thing the idea here is we're not talking theoretical speculation anymore we're talking about an actual patent filed by salvatore pius with the u.s navy and as we're going to see here the story gets very interesting on august 2nd 2019 the chief technology officer for the united states navy dr james sheehy confirmed that the hawk is an operable device now that is a very important distinction this is dr james sheehy let's read now about how this came into being this isn't a link from the drive which is a military publication and it says in these patent documents the inventor salvatore pius naval air warfare center aircraft divisions patent attorney mark o glut i bet you that was a fun name to have in high school and the U.S. Naval Aviation Enterprises Chief Technology Officer, Dr. James Sheehy, all assert that these inventions are not only enabled, but operable. Now again, The Drive is a respectable mainstream media publication that dives deep into issues from the military that the regular media might not cover, but there is, this is definitely a reputable, accredited media entity for news coming from the military and they're saying right here that this is an operable technology that is a very important distinction let's keep reading to help me understand this is the author of the article what that term may mean in these contexts i reached out to peter malinek a patent attorney and i looked him up there's several guys with that name so we're not going to use a picture because i don't know who it is which one of them anyway Malinek informed me that the terms operable or operability are not common in patent applications, but that there is little doubt that the use of the term is meant to assert to the U.S. Patent Office that these inventions actually work. 
Now that is phenomenal because what we're seeing here is that the Navy has certified that what they've already patented is an operable device. And if you read these articles, they make it very clear that their principal concern is that they not be swept out from under by other countries like China, because if China were to patent this type of technology first, then the United States military would have to be paying China every time they use it. So there's an incentive. Okay, now it says, course uh so wait a minute david let's just stop you're talking really fast man just slow down give it to me straight i'm going to give it to you straight the navy has anti-gravity it looks like the tr3b and it freaking works they've said they've certified in writing with the patent office this is an operable technology it is not theoretical they already have anti-gravity and what does that mean that means the thing can fly underwater it can fly through space and if it can fly through space then they very likely have already done this for a long time they have bases on the moon they have bases on mars and they have bases on other planets and satellites in our solar system and that's exactly what insiders like pete peterson told me and what you're going to hear him say in what now unfortunately is his deathbed interview the last time I ever got to speak to him, about a month before, he passed away from an accidental injection. That's going to become a very important yeah. part of this video I'm that we didn't sure get at the time the video was taped. The death was suspicious for reasons you're going to see in this video. Mm-hmm. We didn't know whether it was a natural death or not, but he sounds fine, as you'll hear in the recording. No, we found out it was an accidental injection. I don't know if that means a gas bubble or morphine or what. But it's very, very peculiar, especially because deaths of two other important insiders happen almost simultaneously with this. Okay. The next big piece of news that we need to look at comes from September 26th, 2019, in which the U.S. Navy patents a free energy device. And this is exactly the kind of device that you could drop into a craft like the Hawk. It's in some cases only 0.3 meters wide which means basically one foot so it's like this big now let's dive into that a little bit here is an image from this free energy device this compact fusion reactor as they call it now notice that in both figure one and figure two you have points that are directed at a center now those points could very well be generating Kenneth Shoulders charge clusters or exotic vacuum objects, just what I was telling you about before. They have to direct electrical charge down through a needle point, and then they come out, and they're very highly energetic. And so if you generate a whole bunch of them, you would definitely have a free energy device. That is exactly what this thing looks like it's doing. The whole epicenter of the technology is, is how these points are converging on the center. That's exactly what we'd expect to see anybody developing the Kenneth Shoulders technology into an operable patent and it can generate a terawatt for as little as a thousand watts of input power that is incredible because a terawatt is a thousand gigawatts and let's be clear that the Palo Verde nuclear plant which is America's biggest domestic power plant as an actual nuclear power plant in Arizona it only generates four gigawatts. Even the very, very best 
Uh, nuclear technology okay. that we have on aircraft carriers only does 700 gigawatts. But again, you could power a whole city off of four gigawatts. Hmm. Now here they're saying this thing could actually do a thousand gigawatts, a terawatt, for something as small as a basketball and that it actually could use as little as a thousand watts of input power. This is fantastic. And the inventor, again, is none other than Salvatore Pius. Again? Really? Salvatore Pius is like the greatest genius we've ever seen. The guy simultaneously invents free energy and anti-gravity, and he patents it. And part of the free energy device, by the way, includes him developing a room temperature superconductor. Now, let me just explain what that means. Why does your computer get hot? Your computer gets hot because whether the electricity is going through copper or whether it's going through silicon inside the chip, it's hitting these molecules. And when it hits the molecules that shouldn't really be in there, but they're in the way, the molecules generate heat, right? So your processor gets hot, your laptop starts making that fan noise sometimes. That's because you don't have a superconductor. If you do have a superconductor, it doesn't generate any heat at all. So this is a phenomenal breakthrough for computers. They could become much more powerful because they're not going to generate heat anymore. And it has all kinds of other applications because it has been discovered that when you run current through a superconductor, that it becomes very capable of levitation. So you can do levitation with a magnetic field and then a superconductor if you have like for example you, you cool it down and you can get this thing that's you've cooled in dry ice and you spin it around it's going to be a great uh anti-gravity demonstration i've actually done that in a science lab for the history channel show ancient aliens which i'm a regular on so we're here for ancient aliens doing a demonstration of quantum superconducting levitation and what we have here is superconducting ceramic discs uh, that are actually going in they're moving over neodymium magnets and they've been cooled with liquid nitrogen that he had right here and so you're actually seeing a very interesting and amazing levitation effect so James could you just I know you're holding camera could you yeah. tell us your name and your website and everything yeah, my name is James Lincoln, and my website is physicsvideos.com. And if you want to email me, it's james at physicsvideos.com. And uh, this uh, product comes from quantumlevitation.com. It goes right over your finger, as you can see right there. We've had a lot of fun doing this demonstration today. It is truly a remarkable thing to see and to get it all going out there like this. Uh, we've had a lot of fun doing this today. Um, and that show is now running all day Friday and all day Saturday on History Channel, which is really amazing. It's, I don't know if there's any other show on TV that's doing that right now, so I'm getting recognized everywhere I go. That's part of my life now, but I'm happy to be doing this video. So, Salvatore Pius, what about that name? What is this... Is there anything else going on here? I mean, I'm not denying that there could be an inventor who's enough of a genius to do something like this, because I certainly know Pete Peterson Italian. firsthand for many years, and he invented a whole variety of things. But does the name Salvatore Pius actually mean anything else? Well, it turns out, thanks to one of our readers, that 
we found out that Salvatore Pius in Spanish actually means the savior of our nation. Salvatore, savior, Pius, nation. The savior of our nation. Well, wow. If there really is a guy named Salvatore Pius, he may very well have been chosen for this role of disclosing this technology. It's as if the Navy wanted us to figure this out. They left us a trail of breadcrumbs. The idea being that it will save our nation to declassify this technology, which they've already asserted through their chief technology officer, is operable. Wow, that's just crazy. Because with this operable technology being declassified, it would save our nation. We no longer will need fossil fuels. We no longer will need roads. We can be traveling throughout the solar system. The best versions of this technology travel so fast that you can get anywhere in North America in 90 seconds in these craft. I'm literally not kidding. Eight hours to the moon, it becomes a very manageable trip, and, and now a lot more things are possible. We can mine through our solar system. We can have a much greater solution for overpopulation. There's lots more places for us to migrate. And NASA has also recently been telling us that all of these different moons throughout our solar system are loaded with drinkable water. You can go look that up. I've talked about it in my latest book, The Ascension Mysteries. So it could save our nation. If we have clean energy, we don't need to pay for it anymore. That gets us off of the need for a financial system. Ultimately, it may not happen right away, but if you look at typical Keynesian economics, the economy is based upon capital, and capital is basically energy, or that which we need to generate things. So capital, at least energy, is one of the most important sources of capital. If you eliminate the need for paying for energy, you are freeing up incredible economic prosperity like nothing we've ever seen before. It is amazing. So Salvatore Pius, how about that? The savior of our nation. Now, the next thing I want to alert you to really briefly here is that on November 11th, 2019, which incidentally is 11-11, the enigmatic QAnon posts confirmed Project Looking Glass. That also really caught my attention because I've been hearing about this going back for a long, long time. I got briefings on it from the book Alien Contact by Timothy Good. The original insider uh, from 1989, in Bob Lazar, was talking about Project Looking Glass. He saw documents on that. I had a variety of people giving me information on that, going all the way back to guys like Robert Lucian Howe in the late 1990s. He was on a Yahoo group. And I talk a lot more about that with Edge of Wonder, and there's a video coming up with them where I deep dive on that. So I'm not going to repeat all that work. Uh, they're going to be releasing the first one around Christmas, the second one around New Year's. So be on the lookout for my new Edge of Wonder video. And Project Looking Glass is apparently a technology that can see through time. Uh, and it's been something I've talked about for a long, long time. So it's very fascinating that Q has released this because many people are now aware there's been over 500 Q proofs showing that these briefings are in fact coming directly from the current U.S. presidential administration. And so this is controversial because, of course, the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it, but it can only go on like this for so long, and at some point we're going to get the truth. People will be very, very surprised because there's this whole effort going on to expose and arrest the deep state, including this massive number of sealed indictments estimated by some accounts 
to be upwards of 140,000, and any one sealed indictment can have up to 39 co-conspirators listed in it. So this is a very big deal. This is not going to go away. You can't just expect this is going to end, and it's extremely fascinating to me. So here is the actual QAnon post. It's number 3585, where it says on November 11th, 1111, Project Looking Glass going forward in order to look back. So very, very exciting stuff here. But this is the one that I had to get into this video and get it out to you as quickly as possible. On December 8th, 2019, we had a mind-blowing article show up where it says that secret space programs are about to be declassified, and this is not pseudoscience, it's not fringe, it's coming from, again, directly out of the U.S. Air Force this time, in a mainstream publication. Take a look. It says right here, Barrett and Rogers consider declassifying secretive space programs. A lot of people don't now, believe in them. It doesn't say the I've secret space program or and secret space programs, lately, but it says secretive space programs. Basically the same word, except new. that the secret becomes secretive looking. with the extra I-V-E at the end. But it's basically the secret space program. I mean, there it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, let's go in and, and dive into this and read what it says. It. Well, this is from defensenews.com. This is a now. totally reputable publication. You can see the link right here. The U.S. Air Force's top civilian and a key member of Congress, the top civilian of the U.S. Air Force, that's very important, and a congressional member, both agreed on Saturday that they need to declassify a large amount of information about America's military space programs to both intimidate foes, enemies, and encourage support among the public. Holy gosh. Declassifying some of what is currently held in secure vaults would be a good idea according to Air Force Secretary Barbara Barrett during a panel at the Reagan National Defense Forum. You would have to be careful about what we declassify, but there is much more classified than what needs to be. Well, what exactly do you mean there, Barbara? Well, here's another picture of her. I mean, this is mind-blowing. She's literally the Secretary of the U.S. Air Force, okay? Fellow panelist, Representative Mike Rogers, the Representative Republican from Alabama, said time. he met with the Secretary earlier in the week to discuss that very issue I mean, and said that the information space on space programs is overwhelmingly over classified. Well, what do you know about that? It's right here. They need to declassify this stuff. It's overwhelmingly classified. They're talking about military space programs. There people are, are seeing these craft. You have the USS the Nimitz thing, Mars the Tom DeLong thing, 2004 USS Nimitz incident. And now they're saying they're going to declassify this stuff. This is real. So here is Representative Rogers, and you can see right there on his name tag, they're calling him Mr. Rogers. Well, Mr. Rogers is going to have a very good day in the neighborhood. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. For Mr. Rogers, notice they didn't put the Mr. in there, that overclassification is one of the reasons it's been so difficult for him and others to build support both in the public and with other members of Congress for a space force, a sixth branch of the military under the Air Force uniquely focused on space as a war-fighting domain. Well, there you have it, the, the space force. We've been wondering 
well, if it's a sixth branch of the military, and that means soldiers are going to be going there, well, how do soldiers go to space? Because supposedly all we have right now is this X-30, or X-37 craft, right? It's sort of like the space shuttle. They, they, they decommissioned the space shuttle. Hole. We don't have any presence in space. So what's all this classified space program stuff? There's a lot that they apparently are getting ready to declassify. So this is history in the making. This is very real. And, and the Space Force could be telling us that they're getting ready to recruit people to fight in space, to fight wars in space. Well, this is exactly what you're going to hear Pete Peterson talking about. That we already have bases on the, on the moon, we already have bases on Mars, and you will actually hear him say, we are fighting the Draco. So he has confirmed in his deathbed interview the same stuff we're hearing from Corey Good. The same stuff we heard from William Tompkins, the same stuff we've heard from other insiders as well, that there is apparently a reptilian-looking humanoid race that is very nasty. Let's go on with this now, because there's more to see. As members of the Armed Services Committee and the Defense Appropriators, we get it, but we have to have our other colleagues in the Congress be supportive of us making the changes we need and delving the financial resources that we need into this project. It's not going to happen until they understand the threat and the dependence that we have. Well, that's very, very key because he's saying there's a threat. And he's also saying there's a dependence. We depend upon this technology to handle whatever this threat is. Okay, so again, the idea of the Draco, the idea of extraterrestrials that are negative, this might all be part of what's getting ready, and that's exactly what you're going to hear from Pete Peterson. And I don't think that can happen until we see significant declassification of what we're doing in space, what China and Russia are doing, and how space is in their day-to-day lives. Unbelievable. Once Americans have access to that currently classified data, they will throw their support behind a space force, he concluded. The lack of an understanding really does hurt us in doing the things we need to do in space. Well... What is the lack of understanding? What is the threat? And why would the American people fully throw their support behind the Space Force? Obviously, this is very exciting stuff. Let's keep reading. There isn't a constituency for space, even though almost everyone uses space before their first cup of coffee in the morning. Well, that's because of the Internet. The two declined to say how much of the black space portfolio could move into the public, nor when these changes would start happening, but Barrett pledged that it would be a focus for her office moving forward, a sign that progress could come during the year 2020. America is the best there is in space, yet as we watch the trajectory of potential enemies, we see the relationship is changing. America is also the biggest user of space, she said. Our way of life is more dependent on space than any other nations, and our capability in space was predominantly built at a time when we thought space was a benign environment. She's talking about trajectory of potential enemies. We used to think space was benign. That the American people will fully put their weight behind a space force. That there's a massive amount of stuff that's been classified that they want to declassify. And then in the very next day, on December the 9th, Benjamin Fulford, who's been an insider source I've been looking at for a long time, confirmed from his Pentagon insider that this intel is accurate. Now look at this. This is the quote from the insider now. With Boeing against the ropes, the U.S. Air Force is preparing to declassify the secret space program to shake up the military-industrial complex and generate support for a space force. Wow. 
With over 140,000 sealed indictments, the Department of Justice Inspector General is releasing its long-awaited report to crush the impeachment circus. So whether you agree with this idea of impeachment or not, it is very bizarre how quickly it's being shoved through. It's as if somebody has an urgent deadline, and if you've been following the be work Trump. that I do, then you'll know there is a FISA report coming out, 500 pages long, apparently very damning to the deep state, and they are trying to get this impeachment done before that. What is so fascinating is that Pete Peterson, in this interview, says that the key consideration is if we can make it to the year 2020 without the president being impeached, then we get declassification and disclosure. And this is from a recording I made in June, and all of this stuff is reaching ahead now. So without further ado, I want to bring you this groundbreaking interview with Pete Peterson, which I summarized in this tribute video that I shot back in July in a beautiful location in Colorado. And I'll add one more thing, which is you might actually see the infamous Sasquatch in the forest. So be on the lookout for that. I, will, I like to have a little bit of fun with this. It's not all just so serious and oh, somber. A, um... And I want to thank you for watching. This video is sponsored by the so, Wilcock Foundation, which is our 501c3. Hi there, I'm David Wilcock, and we hiked uh, up to 10,000 feet altitude. We didn't oh, hike the whole 10,000 feet, but uh, it's a lot of work getting in here. And it's raining. <laughs> but, you know, we got to keep this show on the road. Um, we're in a very beautiful place I, here. This is I see the mountains and the lake and the trees. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Jay. And I have White a very Jay. sad announcement to make. Um, you may have already seen this in the title of the video, but uh, Pete Peterson has died. Uh, he was my number one insider. Um, I met him through Project Camelot in 2009, and he became the number one guy teaching us about the Alliance, which is this international coalition that is working to defeat what has been called the Illuminati, the New World Order, the Deep State, whatever names you want to use. Uh, way, way, way before QAnon, which only started in October 2017, uh, in 2009, I was getting briefings from Pete Peterson about this alliance. Uh, just to give you a backstory, in case you didn't know who he is and why this is significant, uh, Pete Peterson did work for the Reagan administration. He was a part of what's called Majestic, uh, which is a lot more than 12 guys. It's not just Majestic 12. And one of the secrets is the spelling of Majestic with J refers to Her Majesty because all this is ultimately being controlled by the British Empire. Now, what do I mean all this? <laughs> Pete Peterson why. claimed to have worked in highly compartmentalized Queen programs in which UFOs are commonly known to exist within the military-industrial complex. And it sounds crazy to most people. You know, there, there are people out there denying your credentials, denying that you really did and said the things that you didn't said, but uh, I've met multiple insiders through you that you introduced me to who have confirmed many of the things that you said as being true and totally real. Well, they never did like me to talk much about it, and I never did talk much about it. And then uh, those people have since passed away. I mean, I've been doing this since I was about 18 years old.
knee-high to grasshopper. And interestingly enough, he was involved in a program called White Star Ranch from childhood, in which he was trained to interact with extraterrestrials directly. Uh, this is something that's been going on within the secret government since at least the 1950s. Uh, there were treaties in place, secret treaties. We don't really know how far back this stuff goes. I've heard from certain insiders that uh, there were extraterrestrials materializing in all of the offices of the presidents of the United States going back to the Revolutionary War, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Do we have people coming up the trail? Okay, no, good. probably won't be able to be heard. Yeah. Ooh, we got some thunder there. So uh, this is this is a gorilla shoot. We're just doing this out in public, but uh, it's a beautiful place. We got bugs, we got rain, we got thunder, but we're going to keep moving forward. So <sighs> there were treaties in place with various extraterrestrials, and they were in the process of developing a secret space program. Now, Pete knew a lot about this. Pete worked with the actual individuals in various alphabet soup agencies that were doing this stuff. He got to meet firsthand with extraterrestrials, and they taught him how to develop anti-gravity. Uh, they didn't like working with adults. They preferred children because children didn't have this kind of mental interference of anger and stress and uh, depression that they, that they disliked so much. So anyway... Uh, Pete came out uh, to the Open in 2009. He had worked for the Reagan administration. He became their top advisor on classified technology. Now we're really getting some rain here. This is crazy. It's a little bit of hail. Uh, the trees and then come back. Oh, well, the trees need to be protected. We're, we're doing fine. I think we're, unless I really get saturated, we'll keep going. Um, so it's Cameron. sad because he died, you know, and I didn't know, um, I didn't know if we were going to get a chance to talk to him again. He had told me that he was now cleared by his allies to start talking about the 35 different, I believe it was 35, something like that, different off-planet locations. Yeah, this is crazy. We're getting dumped. Yeah, this is crazy. We're getting dumped. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're getting pouring rain and hail. We're in the middle of a place where it would take us an hour and a half to hike out of here. I was hoping we wouldn't get any rain, but we are. So we got to just keep keep the tribute to Pete going, I guess. Um, so the White Star Ranch thing was interesting. They brought him in as a young kid, and they started to have him intern with all these different scientists. So he would do six months of training and then six months of actual hands-on work. And he worked with a lot of different interesting people uh, in that process. And as a result, his claim was that he had the equivalent of multiple PhDs in different disciplines. And they taught him, most importantly, they taught him all about this classified technology. A whole lot of stuff. Well, look at that. The rain is easing. That's nice. They, they taught, taught him a whole lot of classified technology, a whole lot of stuff that uh, regular folks like you and I couldn't get our hands on. And his dissertation was on something called the informational field. 
So one of the things that was so interesting, when we went out there in 2009 to interview with Pete for the first time with Project Camelot, um, he was really amazed because I was talking about something called the source field and I was putting that book together and I had lots and lots of information that paralleled his very nicely. And in fact, when my source field book came out, a lot of his colleagues in the DIA and other places said that they had never seen anybody nail so much of this classified science in a book before. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but you look at source field investigations, it's got a thousand academic references. You look at uh, synchronicity key, it's got over 700. Uh, and then the third book, I believe, is over 400. So Pete Peterson told us so much stuff. Um, one of the things that was really intriguing was that there was apparently a facility being built around the White House for 35 different races of extraterrestrial beings that they are apparently getting ready to introduce us to at some point in the future. Okay, we got more interference, um, but it is now not raining, so let's just make sure they don't steal our stuff. Okay, they're just down there. Um, yeah, let's go back to our other shoot location now that we've lost the rain. So Pete Peterson was part of a secret government program called White Star Ranch. And White Star Ranch was interesting because what they did is they got kids who were young and they brought them in to be trained by interesting PhDs that had access to classified science. So if you think that classified science is a recent thing, that would be incorrect. Classified science goes all the way back to guys like John Ernst Worrell Keeley in the late 1800s who demonstrated a flying platform that used tuning forks and sound. There was some type of uh, acoustic system that he found that created anti-gravity with the combination of electrogravitics. And he navigated the craft by sound. That all got lost. Uh, one of the great early sites on the internet about free energy was called KeeleyNet. And it was a whole site dedicated to the work of John Keeley. Obviously, the work of Nikola Tesla was classified. Uh, he was exiled, ultimately. And after he died, they went in and they got all of his papers. So that was in the 1940s. And... Uh, apparently, Einstein was working on stuff that he did not make public regarding um, the manipulation of the space-time uh, fabric, as he called it. And Pete Peterson was able to be brought in as a very trained person because Pete's grandfather, I believe, was Nikola Tesla's lab assistant in Colorado. Uh, so Pete's grandfather got to learn all kinds of really cool stuff about what was really going on with science. And Tesla, of course, was way, way ahead of his time. He had wireless electricity. He had all kinds of cool things, anti-gravity. There was a Tesla anti-gravity craft where lightning bolts would come off of it and hit metal as he was flying it. So Pete Peterson already had a really robust knowledge of science, and they brought him in and they started to train him in this White Star Ranch program. Unfortunately, he only opened up to me right near the end 
right as we started to get rain, and when I was telling you this last time, he only opened up to me at the end about the fact that he had been brought to many off-planet locations, and I forget the number that he told me off the top of my head, but I believe it was more than 35. You also told me not too long ago that you have been on, uh, you said that you have had 60 to 65 different off-planet locations that you actually visited that now you're authorized to talk about it, whereas before you weren't. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. Uh, there's some things I can talk about. Uh, there are several, quite a few of them that I know because I'm contacting them. I'm, I'm making a radio that can con that, that can contact them and. It's a, it's a whole new type of radio. It'll be a whole new type of cell phone. And he couldn't talk about that in the past because he was under strict non-disclosure agreements with various agencies like the DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, which seems to have been one of the main groups that he was working with based on various small things that he told me. So, again, anybody who tries to say that Pete Peterson is a fake or a phony has not done the homework. I spent two hours at a time on the phone with Pete at least once a week up until he had this catastrophic injury uh, last year where he hit his head on a toilet. He passed out in a, in a bathroom. And when he came to, he was effectively a stroke victim who had lost his mind. Well, when I had my stroke, I was passed out for three weeks entirely, and then for two months I didn't know who I, who I was. I knew how to take care of myself in a way, in many ways, but there were a lot of things that I didn't know. Right. And then that all came back like just one night, boom. They were giving me some new medicines and it brought it all back. And they quit giving them to me, and they quit coming back. So as a result, I couldn't remember the name of my favorite shopping store, which is Red Meyer. And it's taken me, took me almost a year to be able to remember that name. Wow. Even though I could drive to it, I could go to it and go shopping, tell you where it was located, but I could not tell you the name of that store or save my ass. Wow. And interestingly enough, his mind came back after, I think, like six months. And during that time, uh, during those six months, I'd spoken to him a couple times, and he was in a delusional state of consciousness. He was saying really bizarre stuff, talking about fishes and aquariums. He was on some weird fish trip. So it's been a long road here with Pete. Um, and... The off-planet locations that he'd been to were for purposes of training. So extraterrestrials apparently were bringing them, bringing the trainees out to their own planets or their own bases and their own ships. And it was a really interesting reveal when Pete finally let me know this only after he had recovered from his stroke. And he had said uh, that this is something he had just told me, that if, if this had gone down within the next six months... Uh, all the D-class stuff that's getting ready to happen, if we could make it through the next six months, he was going to be able to talk about anything he wanted. All right, well, let me, let me, 
get together with Uncle and see what I can and what I can't say. Okay, that sounds good. But I think I, I'm going to be able to say a lot, a lot within six to eight months. I'll be able to say everything. Really? Why six to eight months? That's what it looks like. And that's what it looks like. If, if, if Trump re-wins the election, I'll be able to talk about anything. Wow. Okay. And as much as, I mean, all this stuff that's going on on Trump daily, I mean, you got all the damn shows are like half plus, you know, positive for Trump and half negative. Right. All the news shows. Right. And the news shows have to admit that there's, that there's stuff that they had that was negative for Trump and this Russian thing and all of that. all absolute bullshit. Yep, that's true. He spent like $400 million revamping the, the military base we have at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. Right. Which is a military prison. Right. Yeah, I know. He's revamping that to put all the banksters and gangsters into the prison. And I'm telling you this right now in July 2019. So basically what Pete was getting from his insider briefings was that by 2020, he would be able to share any information that he wanted to share. He could say anything he wanted to say. It was all uh, going to be accessible to us. So we were really looking forward to that. They were fixing up his teeth. They were uh, getting him ready for some kind of public debut. Um, and he had given us so much information. He was the main insider contact teaching us about the Alliance. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Pete went through all this White Star Ranch training, and he is one of very, very few people you would ever actually find. We've had LARPers try to say this, but it's very, very rare that you would actually have somebody work for the CIA and the NSA and the DIA. Nearly impossible, okay? Okay, that did happen in Pete's case. One of his very... Okay. I almost missed it again. I gotta take things off.